Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm. Today, we have a couple of things to talk about. Um, first, we're going to go through the proposed change to the college football playoff. Expansion from four teams to 12. There's still, honestly, I guess there's only like two meetings to go through um, before they decide. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about all that kind of stuff. What would that would mean? Um, and, uh, what that would have meant for the buffs back in 2016, because that's a fun conversation to have. Um, after that, uh, we're going to spend just a minute talking about a change that UCLA made, um, and, and announced earlier this week, like Monday or Tuesday, but we haven't gotten around to it until today. Uh, they're moving the location of their student section. And to be honest, like looking through the map of what the change is, it's not the biggest deal in the world. Um, but there's a couple of interesting points. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously we'll spin it into like a buffs conversation. Uh, so that's kind of the plan for today. I'm excited. Hope you're excited too. Before we get into these changes to the college football playoff, we're going to start by uh, expanding just a little bit on the presenting sponsor of this podcast, the Colorado XOs. So, the Colorado XOs are a rugby team based here in Colorado. Uh, they, they train in Glendale, the same facilities as the U.S. national team. They're 5-5 five and five in their first season. Uh, those of you who've been following along know that they've, they've kind of hit a bit of a rough patch, but still, 5-5 five and five is... A solid record considering none of these guys had played rugby before. Uh, the goal to get them onto the U.S. national team, which, like I said, trains at the same facilities, the Rugby Town National Training Center out in Glendale. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's what's going up or going on there. You can follow along with the DNVR Rugby podcast, DNVR Rugby on Twitter, uh, or with the, uh, the written content at thednvr.com. All right. So, you know, big news. They're going to try to uh, expand the college football playoff from four teams to 12. We're going to talk about what exactly that looks like in a bit. But first, we need to uh, talk about who they is. Um, so, the people in charge of this, it's the College Football Playoff Management Committee. That's different than the Selection Committee. The Selection Committee, you'll remember, like, half of them know anything about football Half of them know absolutely nothing about football. They just take the resumes of these teams, try to be super unbiased, and uh, figure out who the top four are for now. But maybe in the future, those rankings will be more important past the top four. The management committee is made up of the 10 FBS commissioners, as well as the athletic director from Notre Dame, because they aren't in a conference, and you need to represent the... Uh, 
the the independence, I guess. Personally, I'm not so sure you do. But um, yeah, so that that's the group. Over the last two years, there's been a subcommittee made up of four of those people. The Big 12 commissioner, the SEC commissioner, the Notre Dame athletic director, and the Mountain West Conference commissioner. They've been trying to figure out what the best way to expand the college football playoff is. Now, they uh, they talk to the other seven people on the management committee and hear what they have to say, see if their proposal that they came up with over the course of these last couple of years is something that all 11 members are interested in doing. That meeting will happen June 17th and 18th. Um, there's a chance that the seven other members could prefer something else. It does seem like at this point, though, that they are all on the same page. Um, maybe not all of them, but from like the other commissioners that have had interviews today, they seem to like it. And, you know, you already have four yes votes out of 11. You've had a couple others say that they like it. Um, and uh, we'll talk about why they like it in just a second. From there, though, after the meeting on like uh, June 17th, 18th, basically just next weekend, um, the next meeting comes in September. And that's when everything can kind of be made official after, you know, they, they go through. Is 12 the right number? Is this the right process? And then they get to spend the summer kind of tweaking things to make sure everything works perfectly. Um, we'll talk about what those tweaks could be a little bit later on. Um, in terms of the timeline... Nothing is going to change for the college football playoff this year or next year. From there, the door is open. Um, the current agreement runs through the 2025-26 season with the TV partners. So it could be that they say, no, we don't like this. And so it, it takes until the 26-27 season to kick in. At the same time, what you're offering to those TV people is more games. And so you'd think that they'd be down for that. And I do think that just based on what I've read, I would guess that, yeah, it won't be this year, next year, but maybe in 2023 is when this kicks in. Kind of like the timeline for the buffs too, if we're being honest. And uh, yeah, I, th I think that's all of like the boring details. Glad we got those out of the way. And now we can talk about what this format actually is. So, like I said, expanding from four teams to 12, those 12 teams would be the six highest-ranked conference champions, and then the other six would just be the highest-ranked other six. Those are the six at-large bids. Last year, uh, that would have been what? That would have been Alabama, Ohio State. Um, I think Iowa State won the Big 12. These, this is testing me. Um, ACC was Clemson, and then it would have been Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina because two G5 champions finished in front of the Pac-12 champion, which is too bad. Um, so that's that's one of the, the reasons why I think that when, when you look at the 11 people who are deciding whether this is a good idea or not, you have to remember it's the power five commissioners, the Notre Dame athletic director and the group of five commissioners. The group of five commissioners are going to be all over this because there's at least one group of five champion that's going to be included in every college football playoff. Now 
Who knows? Maybe they want to tweak some things. Maybe those guys want to push for it to be 16. Or maybe they say, we want it to be 8 and we just want 1. Whatever. But you would have to think that they'd like this proposal because it finally gives a real path to a group of five team to make it to the college football playoff. So that really should be five yes votes, um, one of which is already counting the four. So there's eight of the 11 that seem to be on the same page, or at least in theory. Uh, when you look at like the interviews from today, uh, the, the two that I saw that were like firm yeses, those are group of five guys, guys, which shouldn't be a surprise at all. Um, the way that the, it would work is obviously the top four teams get buys. The other eight play in the first round, and it would be like five versus 12, six versus 11, all that kind of stuff. From Oh, by the way, those games would be played on campus. And again, these these little details are what's most likely to change. Um, this whole thing, I guess, still could get just voted down. But things like those are played on campus versus maybe that's like the Duke's Mayo Bowl or whatever they try to fit in there. As of right now, though, the proposal is that first round of games on campus. And to me, honestly, I try to get more than that on campus. But maybe we'll get to my thoughts later. Um, from there, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, those are bowl games. National championship is still just the national championship. Um, same way it was before. Um, basically they would fit those, what, two rounds of extra games. Is that right? Cause they get down from 12 to eight and then eight to four. So those two extra rounds they'd fit in just in the few weeks between the uh, conference championships and the start of what we know now is the college football playoff, um, which I think those games are January 1st, the semifinals. If not, they're right around there. So you just fit those games in there. Nothing gets pushed back or pushed back into, uh, you know, competing with the NFL playoffs. Here's what I thought was really interesting, especially considering that Notre Dame's athletic director is on this subcommittee that wound up proposing this system. The top four seeds would not just be the top four teams in the college football playoff rankings. They would be the top four conference champions in the college football playoff rankings. So that would mean that an independent like Notre Dame doesn't play in a conference, can't win a conference championship, could never get a bye. But still he was willing to vote for this plan or propose this plan, be a part of the subcommittee that proposed it. Again, like when you're looking at who says no to this stuff, that would have been the one that you'd guess just based on how this system works. He didn't though. And that's a, that's a very good sign. Um, I think that that's all the details. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically everything you need to know. Um, Everything else is just like based on where they finish in the college football playoff poll. There's no like accounting for like, oh, these two teams already played or they're in the same conference or whatever. Nope, just top four champions get those buys. Whoever's left, they just take the whatever other eight qualified and put them in order their college football playoff ranking and those are your seeds. To me, I, I think that this is a great plan. I think that makes a lot of sense in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, expansion in general is something that I'm a fan of. Um, 
for a, a bunch of reasons, honestly. You know, I have seen a, a lot of people, kind of the same people who've been against it since college football playoffs started in 2014, say that they don't like this. Um, for example, there, there, I read a column by Barrett Sally, CBS Sports, um, and, and he talked about, you know, the value of the college football regular season. That's what makes college football different than anybody else is that in college football, if you drop a game, that might just be it. If you drop two games, there's a really good chance that you're just not going to have a chance to be the national champion because a national champion doesn't lose a game or lose two games or whatever. There is something to that. There's absolutely something to that. And and honestly, more so than the fact that that's like, you know, good teams aren't going to lose a game or two. I, I the, the reason I would be tempted to stick with just a four-team playoff is because of all the history behind it. Not necessarily because I think that this is like a better way to do things. And the fact that I don't think it's a better way to do things is why I really think it should expand. But the one argument that does get me is that, you know, you look back to the 80s and the 90s when you really just had to win all your games. There wasn't even a championship game. See, and that to me is just dumb. There needs to be a championship game. Um, But because you have this history of things being this way, I personally don't really like making changes to the way things have been for a long time. At the same time, though, I think that expanding the playoffs just makes too much sense for so many other reasons um, that I'm I'm all for it. What what Barrett Sally brought up, though, and I thought that this was interesting, is Ohio State losing to Virginia Tech back in 2014. It was like week two or something of the 2014 season. And at the time, everybody's talking about Ohio State as a potential national champion. Like, they're, they, they're probably the team to beat. Um, I think, was that the year they played Oregon? I can't remember. But they lose that game against Virginia Tech, and everybody's like, okay, I, I don't think you can come back for that. I, I think that that's probably it for you. But then they, they win out from there. They make it to the college football playoff. They win the national title. And he points to that as saying, like, you know, that sort of pressure on that one game to not blow any game if you're trying to be a national champion, that's what makes college football so special. And that's fair. That is fair. At the same time, though, it means that you weed out half of the country in week one of the season. And then in week two, maybe you're down to 25%. Week three, you're down to 12 and a half. And in each week, half those undefeated teams get their first loss. And if you're one of those teams that loses week one, you're not really competing in the way that, you know, an NFL team that loses is trying to fight back. And and at the same time, like no team is playing their best football in week one. If you slip up there, do you really deserve to not be the number one team in the country? Especially when we want teams to schedule good opponents. You know, we're all excited for what, like USC, Alabama was supposed to be last year. That would have been an incredible game because those are two teams that should be competitive. This year, you've got Oregon, Ohio State. That should be a lot of fun. You're not scheduling Oregon if you're Ohio State and one loss is going to knock you out of the, the, like you want to have these good games. And the fact that, you know, Ohio State potentially loses to Oregon that first week that doesn't mean that they're not the best team. You know, it might mean they weren't the best team in week one, but in all other sports, that's not true. In just about every other sport, 
What matters is what you are at the end of the season. And sure, you have to like earn your way to get a chance to compete in the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. But that's what this whole proposal is about, is giving teams a chance to earn their way to compete. Because there's always going to be a cutoff. There's always going to be a bunch of teams that three weeks into the season, you're like, well, that was that's it for the national championship hopes. Who knows? Maybe we pull something together in conference play. And I guess that, that also changes things now that the top six conference champions get in. I guess if you really botch those first few weeks, you may not be one of the top six conference champions. But for most Power 5 teams, I guess that you probably do wind up being in front of at least four of the G5 com- champions, which is all you need to do. Um, yeah, I think that while you definitely lose some things like whoever Oklahoma is playing against Texas, whose season's been done for four weeks at the end of the year. And if Oklahoma blows this game, if Texas can upset them, they can knock them out of the college football playoff. Like, yeah, that's a fun storyline to have. But also, those top four teams are probably just going to win those games anyway. And what you get instead is a bunch of teams competing to be in the top 12. And it's a lot easier... It's about three times easier to get into the top 12 than to get into the top four. And that means you're going to have about three times as many teams who are actually playing for something. Not, And I don't want to say that if you're not competing for a national championship, you aren't playing for anything. But what is this all about? And I guess that is kind of the difference with college football is that it isn't all about the national championship. It's about, you know, winning your conference, winning your rivalry games, that kind of stuff. And while that's all like really cool and valuable, why not keep all of that stuff as very valuable and add on that this national championship thing is a goal that teams can strive for throughout the year and something that casual fans of you know SEC football can say, hey, one of these Pac-12 teams is going to make it to the college football playoff. And look, we've got this matchup between two teams that are trying to, to, to stay alive in that race for the Pac-12 championship, let's turn on that game. And, you know, it's not because it's the SEC and the Big 12 or Pac-12, you can sub any teams in there that you want. But, you know, that's that's where my mind goes, is that even though, like, yes, the beauty of college football is the importance of the regular season. But guess what? You just made the regular season so much more important to a bunch of other teams. And it might not be quite as important to Ohio State, but at the same time, like... They still could lose, you know. They they still could blow a couple of games down the stretch. Yeah, I I I really think the expansion is a good idea because on top of that, I mean, it's more games that matter. Like it, I know some people really enjoy just watching random bowl games. To me, I, I kind of enjoy it. Like I need something that draws me in. Like if there's like if one team's like a triple option team, I'll watch it. If one's an air raid team, I'll watch it. If there's a quarterback who's going to the NFL, I'll watch it. If there's another player who's supposed to be a top 10 pick, I'll watch it. You know, there's there's a bunch of ways to draw me in, but there's also a bunch of bowl games that I just have no interest in watching. And, you know, that's kind of compounded by the fact that there's a bunch of bowl games that players have no interest in playing. Whether it's the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl, even like those, those really big brand name bowl games, you see a bunch of opt-outs. Nobody's going to opt out of the college football playoff. They want to go compete for a national championship. And I think that 
I think that there's something to that. And at the same time, you know, people always, again, talking about the, the, it should just be the very best of the best who get the right to be in there. Those are the same people saying, well, guess what? The top four teams are going to be winning every year anyway. So then what does it matter? Why not let us watch more football, more of what will be the best football of the season? Sure, some of those games will be blowouts, whatever. But I'd rather watch a first-round college football playoff game between whoever, 5-12, and 7-8, and eight, whoever, than... Or I guess it'd be nine and 10, right? doesn't matter. The point is than any other regular season game, you know, I mean, you got to like adjust for being like fans of some teams or whatever, but just in a vacuum, every one of those games is more interesting than just about anything else that happens all year. You know, all of a sudden, you know, national championship is still number one. Semifinals are still number two and number three. From there, you probably look at like, the like Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, maybe maybe you do include a couple bowl games there. After that, you look at like the best non-conference matchups. To me, that's what I'd look to as the most interesting games of the season, then the most interesting conference matchups. And what happens is above those like bowl games, you just slide in eight more. Yeah, eight more games. They'll be more interesting than all those. And that means more TV money too. So don't ever forget about that part. The more money you can bring in, the better. I, I, I really like the idea of expanding. I think that 12 seems like a good number. Again, I come from being an FCS football fan, a Grizz fan, and we've had a 24-team playoff for my entire life, I think, or at least as long as I can remember. And I think that that's great. You know, is that too much? Eh, there, I think, I personally don't think so. I'd be down to watch more football. I think you probably want to include like some double buys for the best team, something like that. I don't know. But I also understand that a lot of people really wouldn't like that. And that's why I'm down with 12. You know, 16, 8, whatever. 12, I think, makes a lot of sense. It's a nice middle ground. And the way that they do it, I think, makes a lot of sense. Especially including things like, everybody was always saying... And, and I personally agreed with them. I thought this was a good idea to include the, the Power 5 champions and the best G5 champion. But the way they did it to just say, well, take the six best conference champions. It, the fact that that didn't cross my mind honestly kind of bothers me because it makes sense to, to uh, instead of creating like this, this class system in college football, which already absolutely exists. Like, the, the difference between Power 5 and Group 5, it is a very wide gap. And whatever, that's not the point of this conversation. The point is, the, the system does not work off of that kind of class system. You know, you, you're not just giving favor to the teams that are probably still the best and probably will remain the best for a long time. You just say... We're taking the top six champions. Everybody's equal. Odds are, that's going to be the Power 5 champions because those conferences are going to be better throughout the season, and that's going to mean that when we look at who these champions beat, we're going to be more impressed by the ones that beat the better opponents, which 95% of the time, I think, are going to be uh, the, the group of five, the Power 5 champions. 
but it does add that flexibility. And if, and if you're, you know, who, so, I mean, the Mountain West commissioner was on this subcommittee that came up with this plan. Of course, he's going to like this because it doesn't treat them like second-class citizens, even though he is very much aware, I'm sure, that he is that right now, that his conference is that right now. It gives the conference some flexibility going forward. If the Mountain West can start drawing in more talent, getting more money because they're putting a better product out there, you know, they're, they're having this upward cycle that all of a sudden gets them onto the same level as, you know, the the Pac-12, which is currently the bottom of the Pac-5 team, or pa- yeah, Power 5 conferences. I think that they deserve that, you know? Give them a chance to build that conference up instead of saying, we're taking these five conferences plus another. You know, there's so many, like, those little details that I like. The one thing I'm not so sure about, honestly, is saying that the the conference champions are the top four seeds. The top four conference champions are the top four seeds. I will say that if my options were that or just say the top four, I do like the conference champions way better, but I have more doubts, including, you know, Notre Dame, if they're that good of a team, they probably do deserve to be a a top four seed. You know, I, I think that you kind of disenfranchise Notre Dame. What a dumb thing to have to say that that sentence that we are, we, we need to be more worried about how Notre Dame is treated, but you know, in the way that we're making it very fair for those group of five teams, I think that out of everybody, Notre Dame is kind of getting the short end of the stick here. I, I shouldn't even say that the, 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 the independent schools are getting the short end of the stick here. And again, at the same time, personally, I don't like that they're independents make them join a conference. And don't even, you don't have to make them join a conference, but you can incentivize it. And that's what this does. I think that that's good too. And more than that, the reason I like putting champions up there is it makes the conference championships worth more. And I think that those should be worth more. And I think that when you talk to people who don't like the expansion, um, again, because they're typically more old school college football fans and nothing against them. Like I, I, Totally see what they're saying. Like I said earlier, changing the way things are historically done, it will change the sport a little bit. And it does make me uncomfortable to do that. The pros just outweigh the cons in my mind. And if you don't think so, totally valid opinion. But when they're saying, you know, you still have the conference championship to play for. We want those to mean something. Not everything should be about the national championship, especially because some teams don't even deserve to be thinking about the national championship. I do like that this also pumps up the value of conference champions because that is in my mind, you know, who should probably be included in this. You know, if, if they come back next week and say, you know what, now's not the time to expand. We do, we don't like this, but we do want to make a tweak and we want to include only conference champions in the college football playoff, just the top four. I think that that would make a lot of sense. You know, if, if we're saying some teams don't deserve to be there, how about the team that couldn't even win their own conference? You know, and I've got a lot of thoughts about all this. And I think we've gotten through most of them. But the, the the overarching takeaway in my mind is that I think that this is a, a good plan. And I think it's a plan that will be accepted and a plan that even people who don't like it now might come around to. Especially when you're, you know, a, a Georgia fan 
and you get to see a playoff game on your own campus. It's it's still like still just crazy to me how many college football fans haven't experienced that. Because again, I grew up a Montana Grizzly fan. The entire playoffs, except for the championship, is on campus, and it is everything that you could have hoped it would be. You know, you think of the big game tailgates you've been to, and nothing to take away from them, but like Colorado, Nebraska last year, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Cat Grizz tailgates up in Montana, Montana, Montana State, those are a lot of fun. When you make it a playoff tailgate, everything changes. Inside the stadium, everything changes. There's this whole nother level that FBS football fans don't even know exists. Most of them. Some of them have some FCS teams too that they're loyal to and have gone to some of those games. But even that, like most FCS teams, like there's there's a select few that have a really good atmosphere, um, a, a really good tailgate scene. And Montana is absolutely number one on that list. People want to throw like the Fargo Dome with the bison. So dumb that they call them bison instead of bison. But uh, they'll throw them up there. It's it's not true. It's Montana. But that's not the point. The point is that these on-campus playoff games are just going to blow people's minds. And that's probably what I'm more excited about than anything. Um, yeah, I think that's... I mean, we're 30 minutes in. That has to be all my thoughts. Um, curious what you guys think as always, though. Um, real quick, let's take a break. Remind you guys to subscribe to DMVR. A bunch of cool stuff going on. Big beer, size of the small beer. If you come down to a watch party, which is basically every night now. Got to knock on wood with the abs in an elimination game tonight. But uh, every, every day is a watch party here because there's so much sports at the moment. I've been on this diet. I was telling people earlier. I'm, I'm recording this from our studios, by the way, um, instead of at home, just because I was in here for some other stuff. And like my diet recently has been go to Trader Joe's, just walk a block to Trader Joe's, pick up a salad for lunch. It's like $4 unless you get a really good one, then it's $5. And then go to the DNVR bar for the sports because what? We're like five days in a row there's been a game. Just get grilled cheese. It's like I think it's like seven fifty plus a little, little inside baseball here. I get twenty percent off, so uh, it's only six dollars. Winds up being like eleven dollars for great meal. Like these grilled cheeses, I get that. Like I sound like a child when I say it, but it was the Avs guys who showed me. They're like, you're not gonna believe this. This is six fifty. It's like three different cheeses, just perfectly blended together in a way you wouldn't believe. Like the one that. I don't know my cheese as well, but the one that melts the least is in the middle. So you get all the like the kind of gooey outside part, like stuck to the bread. And like the, 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 the middle slice of cheese definitely melts too. And they mostly melt together, but it's a little bit thicker, kind of like meatier in the middle. It's a really good grilled cheese. Um, but yeah, come down here because uh, it's a lot of fun. And grilled cheese, again, quesadilla, also a good deal. The, the move with the quesadilla is to also get a bowl of green chili and then dip that in there. If you want to add the chicken, that's a good idea. It's also $3 more. Not that big of a deal, but um, I've been to a lot of playoff games recently. Those will take a toll out of the budget, so you have to be a little bit conscious. The point is, DMVR bar, great food, great beer, including Breckenridge beers, which you guys should uh, check out if you haven't yet. 
Uh, Shelby Harris, the Broncos defensive lineman, was down here today. That was a lot of fun. He, like, I, I got here kind of right as maybe like 20 minutes after the show was ending. Um, he was on the Three Ring Circus, which you guys should also go check out. Just go to YouTube, Three Ring Circus, Shelby Harris. It was a lot of fun. He's a funny guy. Um, but yeah, Broncos defensive lineman, he got here like 30 minutes early, just hanging out. He stayed with us for like two hours, just hanging out, talking about basketball and football and Aaron Rodgers and secrets. And, uh, where was I going with this? What are we talking about? Oh, Breckenridge. Oh, he tried the RK special. So everybody loves the RK special. It's like a hot peak IPA mixed with a strawberry sky. And so Usually mixing beers is weird, um, but that one, it's, it's honestly, I think really good. Shelby hated it. Shelby hated it. And he said it publicly. Um, I recommend you try it still, but yeah, there's a bunch of Breckenridge beers at the bars, uh, at the bar. Um, you can uh, come down, try them here. You can find them at the grocery store, the liquor store. What other kind of store can you find those? I feel like even like Target and stuff nowadays. Like, when's the last time somebody built a Target and didn't include a grocery store? I think those days are behind us. I honestly do. I think that when whenever anybody builds a Walmart, builds a Target, builds a... Dude, is that it now? Because like Kmart's dead, right? It's gotta be. It's gotta be. Um, Are there any other big... Stores. I don't even know what you call those. Super stores is what they call them when they have grocery stores and they all have grocery stores. But yeah, you can get the Breckenridge beers just about anywhere you want. And if you want to be sure, use the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website and it'll tell you exactly where to go to pick those up. Um, Strawberry Sky, the Seltzers, those are my favorite. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, people don't usually like my beer advice though, if I'm being totally honest. Um, also, in defense of RK, Shelby only drinks uh, Bud Light. And so maybe his those taste buds just are not developed. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but it's also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, which I used to be. Now I'm a pro. Uh, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all of the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know that you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with the chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up and turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code DNVR for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, wager paid out in site credits, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um, oh, there was one more thing that uh, we were going to uh, talk about before we get into the student section thing. Um, 
And that was looking back at the 2016 season. And here's the deal. So, 2016, obviously, that was the rise season for the Buffs. They, uh, you know, tore it up, did the thing that everybody always wanted them to do. Uh, wound up, was it 10-3? and Because they lost the conference championship game? That must be it. Um, but in the college football playoff rankings following that week, which is when they decide who makes the college football playoff, uh, it wound up being Alabama number one, Clemson number two, Ohio State number three, Washington number four. Those are the four college football playoff teams. Had there been a larger college football playoff with 12 teams included, well... Let's see, what would we have here? So Bama would have been the one, Clemson two, Ohio State three as conference champions. Washington, I believe, beat Colorado in that conference championship game, so they would stay at number four. Um, from there, though, eight more teams would have made it into the college football playoff. Penn State at number five, Michigan at number six, Oklahoma at number seven, Wisconsin number eight, USC number nine, at number 10, the Colorado Buffaloes, and then 11, Florida State, 12, Oklahoma State. Um, the path for Colorado that year, um, a year in which I'm willing to bet Bama won the national championship, or was that? No, that would have been Bama. Um, oh, was that the Deshaun Watson year? Who's to say? Uh, Google could, but we're not doing that right now because that's not the point. Um, the point is that Colorado would have played Oklahoma in the first round at Oklahoma of the college football playoff. Could you imagine that game? Um, that was a team with uh, Kyler Murray and Joe Mixon, and I'm not really sure who else, but those are the top two names that I saw when I clicked on them. That would have been so much fun. I don't know what would have happened because I don't remember too much about uh, the 2016 Oklahoma Sooners, if I'm being honest. Um but could you imagine if that had been a thing? And sure, I mean, knowing what I know about Bob's fans, they would have been really nervous and, you know, not so much excited. And that's just the way things are. And I, I can't really blame them for that. Would have been incredible, though. From there, the winner would have played Clemson. And that one, I feel like I do know how it would go. But the point is, how cool would that have been? to have at least a chance in the playoff. And I don't know. I think it's easy when you talk about things like college football playoff expansion to feel like that is very far away from where CU is right now. Um, that like, is this really a buffs topic? And, you know, even I get some of that at DMVR, specifically from that guy, Justin Michael, um, whose birthday was yesterday, which reminds me my sister's birthday is today. Good thing we talked this through. Um, but yeah, it, 12 teams means that you don't have to have like a 10-year t- a history of building. You know, because the way it looks now and the way it looks going forward is that Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, there's going to be in that top four. Another team can sneak in. And it just, it's a very exclusive group. And, and those are good teams who win consistently. And maybe, you know, that that's why people would say, well, why are we even expanding? Those games aren't even going to matter. It's like, yeah, so send them to bowl games instead. That'll be better. But, uh, yeah, it, it opens the door at least. 
and lets teams try. And that's what America's about, right? Like, let people try. Give them opportunity. I think 12 teams deserve an opportunity. If you get hot, you can get in. There would have been three Pac-12 teams in there uh, that season. Somebody's knocked on this door. I'm not going to go answer it. They're just walking in anyway. But, yeah, uh, Colorado would have been a college football playoff team if things had been different. Um, before we get out of here, though, going to talk real quick about uh, this UCLA decision to move the student section. Um, what they did was move their student section back to where it was um, before 2017 um, in the Rose Bowl. I guess it had been there for a long time. Um, let's see. Does this story say when exactly it got there? No. Fair to guess that it would be for forever. Um, what they did basically, like it's not the biggest move. Like if you look on the map, uh, they actually wound up with fewer 100 level seats. Um, but everything is more packed in vertically because the way it is now, like you get the entire end zone, but then there's like this little piece that like juts up into the upper level. Now you just get like this corner and more of the upper level behind it, but it's all like in one area. It would be really cool if the podcast would let me show you guys a map, but, um, they do have a better view now and that's kind of how they're selling it. They're also back in the sun again. Here's the other interesting piece is that the PAC 12 got rid of its rule that requires teams to have their student section, not behind the visiting bench. So you could have it like in the end zone. You could have it behind the home bench. You could have it in the other end zone. You just couldn't have it behind the opponent's bench. That rule's gone now, and I haven't seen for sure uh, whether UCLA is also flipping sidelines again. But I would not be surprised if part of the reason for this move was to get the student section behind the opponent's bench. Again, it's kind of on the corner. It goes from what, like... The, the end of the A and UCLA in the end zone, so kind of like way back there to uh, about the 25-yard line, and it just goes all the way up in the bowl. Um, I, I have a lot of thoughts here. Um, first thought is that you always give the students the best seats. Maybe not the very best seats, like don't put them club level, maybe not even necessarily at the 50-yard line, but... Who are you trying to win over? You know, are, are you trying to win over the the sixty year old guy who's spending one hundred and fifty bucks on fifty yard line seats? No, you have that man. That man's a Buff fan for life. He's going to always be a Buff fan, and he's going to buy season tickets whether you say, "Hey, actually, you're going to have to get these on the other sideline or move over a couple sections." He might be kind of pissed off about it, but I can. Just about guarantee you he's still going to get his season tickets. Students, though, and again, this is why some people might say, well, if the students don't want to go to the game, if they're going to be in the end zone, why are we going to give them the good seats? Fair. The point is you're trying to win these people over. You're trying to get the students to be, I mean, you're, you're indoctrinating them because you have four years with them on campus. You do whatever you can to get them into the stadium, and then if you're successful in that time, if they have a good time, if they whatever they're going to be lifelong fans who are going to buy season tickets. And if they don't live here, they're going to come out for games. They're going to be all over Twitter supporting you. 
young people are very influenceable. You know, I'm what, two years out of college now? I'll believe anything that anybody tells me. If if you if you sit me, here's here's my thing. I'm not a soccer fan. I I I like I do like women's soccer. I will admit that that I've gotten to the point where like the US women's national team sucked me in. The buffs were good with Taylor Corniak and JJ and Goal. Um that one year right after when I was kind of like, you know, teetering on the edge. That kind of sucked me in deeper. Now all of a sudden there's a, a women's match tonight against Portugal, and I put too much money on the U.S. women's national team to score at least five goals. And the odds were incredible. Um, but, again, maybe that's just showing how, how easy it is to influence me. The point is, though, and what I was originally going to say, which is in a worse point than the one I just made, um, not a Rapids fan. You know, to me, like, American soccer, when it comes to the men, just doesn't quite do it for me. Like, I want the Rapids to succeed. Absolutely. They're a Colorado team. We support that. Um, but... You know, I know that if they have good players, they're just going to go play for better teams that are going to be playing at like 2 a.m. our time way over across the ocean. And when you're not seeing the best of the best, and to me that's the difference between men's and women's soccer here, it, I just, it doesn't work. At the same time, if somebody said, hey, for whatever reason, you have to go watch every game this season at Dick's Sporting Good Park, I could tell you that by the end of the year, I'm, I'm going to be a diehard Rapids fan. That's just how it's going to work. And this is all to say that maybe the Buffs should consider moving the student section into uh, somewhere where the seats are better. Put them at the 50-yard line. Put them at the end zone. Absolutely put them on the side of the field where the opponents are so they can scream and curse and whatever at them. I think maybe you'll get, I don't know, the president of the university is probably, again, having never met him in my life, I would just guess, and not based on anything I know about him other than the fact that he is a university president. I'd be like, oh, that's not that's not who we are. We are welcoming to our visitors on this campus. We do not hate anybody. We are a proud blah, 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 whatever they say. But no, that's not what this is. This is sports. You put your strength, your loudest people behind the bench and just let them scream and curse. Not throw things, never throw things, but scream, call names, Get in their heads, you know, be loud, be obnoxious. And I think that, first of all, that's an advantage that now should be taken advantage of by every Pac-12 school. But also, make sure that you're doing, in everything you do, what is best for the students who you are trying to indoctrinate, which is all of them. You're doing what is best for the students, trying to pull them in. Because, sure, like, all of a sudden, you give them... The, the middle section on the 50-yard line, whatever. That's the most extreme case that we, we could have here. You're going to lose a couple million bucks in, in tickets every single year because of that. That money will come back over the next 60 years of all those students' lives. Not, not even true. A quarter of those students' lives. If you're able to win over 25% of them, you know, you look at the, the dwindling attendance of college football games across the country, even at Montana, where I feel like it's, as diehard as anywhere um, in a smaller stadium, like with what I think they have like 35,000 seats, something like that. It, you still, you still just, I don't know. You, you should see that and say, what is going on here? And what's going on is maybe you missed a generation because there's a lot of young people who don't care about sports the way that young people used to care about sports. And they're wrong for that. 
They would enjoy lives a lot more if they were sports fans, but they don't even know that. And that's why it's up to the university to indoctrinate them, to do whatever it takes to turn them into massive Buffs fans. And who knows, maybe one of them, that's the difference between getting a million dollar donation from them down the road when they make a lot of money. Maybe they're season ticket holders. Maybe they just buy more Buffs gear throughout their life. I don't know. But in everything, even without getting into politics, you know, that's why you fund education a lot because that stuff just pays off. That's like $1 you spend turns into like, no, that's NASA. Spend money on NASA. It's like $1 means $8 in the economy because of what comes from it. Whatever. Invest, I guess. Maybe that's a better word than indoctrinate. Invest in the students by indoctrinating them. Um, I think that's going to do it for today. I'll be back tomorrow. We got to we gotta keep moving through this like preview of next year's teams. I'm behind on that. We're going to be talking about a, a team that the Buffs will play next year tomorrow because just can't push that back again. Can't do it. Won't do it. Um, so get ready for that tomorrow.